The Giant. Thinkers. Giant Thinkers Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the show. I'm Ram Castillo, and in this podcast, I'm bringing to you top experts from various industries worldwide to learn from their success and to help us become better designers, creatives, and giant thinkers. Hey, Giants, Ram here. Welcome to episode number 91. I hope you've been enjoying these mini episodes, this mini series of weekly solo episodes with me, uh, audio keynotes so to speak, throughout this January 2022 to give you practical strategic direction and actionable tactics. In this particular episode, I'll be sharing how to use the law of singularity to increase effectiveness in your health, wealth, and business. Before we begin, I, of course, want to invite you to follow me on Instagram. It's where I am most connected with all of you. Um, if we aren't connected already, though, my handle is the Giant Thinker. I share daily posts and stories on helping decision makers, business owners, and leaders get unstuck, lightning fast through human-centered design methodologies, creative strategies, digital marketing, and branding. Send me a DM. I would love to hear from you. Once again, you can find me on my handle, the Giant Thinker. Alrighty, let's dive in. I'll be speaking about the one, uh, about one of the most powerful design principles that you can use today to increase effectiveness, and that's applicable for every aspect of your life. Today, I'll be speaking about the law of singularity, and the overarching topic today is healthy, wealthy, grateful, and wise, how to get there. The idea that I'd like for all of you in this room to explore is this, that the one thing that will change the way you manage, maintain, and grow your health, wealth, and everything in between is having a one thing and operating from a place of singularity. Now, when I said that this design principle, the law of singularity, can increase effectiveness to every aspect of your life, I mean everything from creating and marketing your business to acquiring the right clients and building quality relationships to how you go about your day. And most importantly, the legacy you'll leave and the impact you'll continue to make long after you're gone. The law of singularity says this, in each situation, only one move will produce substantial results. So we're going to explore its application in two specific areas to keep this tangible and practical, no matter what your life stage. Mark Twain, he said it perfectly. He said this, the secret of getting ahead is getting started. And the secret of getting started is breaking your complex, overwhelming tasks into small, manageable tasks and then starting on the first one. So what's the one thing that you can do today that will give you the greatest result? This is called a focus question. What might be the one thing that you can do that would be the lead domino? If you listen to Tim Ferriss, he speaks about this a lot. 
that if you do this one thing, it would make all the other tasks easier or it would eliminate the need of doing them all together. So what's the one thing? For example, you might be considering this is the first level, okay? Overarching overall career path. So that first level is finding the right direction in life. Now, what's the focus that you can do today that will be impactful and meaningful towards that first level? Well, it might be making that phone call or sending that DM. This is the second level. Choose the right action and repeat asking this focus question. One of you, uh, one of the, the many books rather um, that have had a massive impact on my life, I'm reminded by this, it's, it's by uh, Gary Keller and, and Jay Papasan. It, it, it's called The One Thing. And many of you might have read it. Um, it's about the, the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. And in the book, it discusses the value of simplifying one's workload by focusing on the one most important task. Granted, we're talking about that now. And the secret to a disciplined life is sequential habit forming. This is a key part of the book. And when we think about successful people, we often think of the enormous discipline, right, that they've applied in their formative years. This level of discipline seems like it's sometimes unreachable, daunting, unachievable for us. How do successful people maintain such discipline? Now, I've been asking myself this question over, over the years of studying these high performers and interviewing many of them on my podcast for a few years now. Kelly Slater is one of them. And upon closer inspection, I found that it's not so much about constantly applying and and, and looking at their, their discipline as having an enormous amount of it, I actually realized that it's selective discipline to form enduring habits. And w w one example that comes to mind here is look at Michael Phelps, right? He is the pride and joy of, of much of uh, my, my American friends here um, in terms of his focus and discipline is bar none, you know, up there with the, with the greatest of all time. Um, but as a child, he was diagnosed with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, which we refer to as ADHD. And some of the behaviors that are looked at when diagnosing ADHD are impulsiveness, disorganization, uh, problems prioritizing, poor time management skills, problems focusing on a task, excessive activity or restlessness, poor planning, easily frustrated and has low tolerance. And guess what? Michael Phelps, the most successful and most decorated Olympian of all time with a total of 28 medals, Phelps holds the all-time record, not just with the most Olympic medals, but also for the most Olympic gold medals. And guess what? He had all those ADHD traits that I mentioned. And it was thought that he would never be able to focus on anything. How did that turn out? Michael Phelps has spoken openly about all this, and he channeled all the discipline he could muster into one habit. 
swimming every single day for almost a decade from the age of 14 through to the 2008 Beijing Olympics. He trained seven days a week, 365 days a year. One habit is just the start. Habits are easier to maintain as well than to begin. So once something becomes a habit, you can shift your discipline into forming a new one and build them up sequentially. So for example, if you uh, work in an office or you, if you have your own home office, you get in the office 30 minutes earlier to clear your inbox, plan the day ahead before colleagues arrive or, or, or before you get bombarded with client calls. Once this habit is established, arriving 30 minutes earlier, okay, build on that. Channel your discipline into staying focused on one particular task for longer periods. You see, it's less about what you're actually doing. It's training ourselves into performing something new. We build and build and build. Multitasking, this all reminds me of, of that whole thing, that it's horribly inefficient. Pick one thing and give it your undivided attention. Now, here, here it is. We might think that we can do some things at the same time. Sure, walk and talk on the phone at the same time. Cook and listen on Clubhouse at the same time. But what's really happening is that we're simply shifting our focus within a small window, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And what we're really doing is we're diluting our attention as a whole. What we're unable to do effectively is to focus on two tasks at the same time. When we think we're multitasking, what we're actually doing is juggling two or more tasks, switching focus from one to another. By the way, I fall into this trap. <laughs> I am not exempt from the temptation of trying to multitask. Just wanted to put that out there. But we have to remember, when we think we're multitasking, we're actually rapidly task jumping or task switching. And this comes at a penalty, a time cost. It may be very small, almost unnoticeable and seemingly insignificant, but it increases greatly over a long period of time, especially when tasks are more complex. So for example, one of my employees, um, she was uh, working on a complicated spreadsheet and a coworker interrupted her to discuss a business problem. Right? You might be this person. You help them. Time will be lost when you switch back to the spreadsheet and you struggle to remember what on earth you were in the process of even doing and what were you even trying to achieve. These time penalties add up. During these, the, these penalties, uh, especially in the work environment, I read a study that on average, office workers are distracted every 11 minutes and spend up to a third of their working day recovering from the distractions. So can you really afford to lose a third of your working day? So figure out what matters most in the most, you know, what's the most important thing to do in that moment and give it your undivided attention. Something I implemented as I transitioned into leadership positions in my design career, and uh, now I operate a few different businesses. And I'll just give you this one important um, sequence. And, and the thinking is around the right tools for the right reasons. 
So I say to my team, uh, use the phone. We've got call and text for that, sure. Slack is a tool that we use and email. So let's use that as an example. Phone, text, Slack, email. How the right tools for the right reasons, right? I mentioned that. Phone, I say and set parameters. Call me only if it's urgent. So phone call is only for immediate response and here are the reasons why it might be urgent. I show them what that means. Text, message me only if you need a response within one hour. Here is how that might look like in that scenario. I give them examples. Slack message me if you need a response within eight hours. I give them examples of how that might look like. And then email me if you need a response within 24 hours. And I give examples of that. Because your willpower is like a fuel tank. We need to use it wisely. So this reminds me of an article that I wrote for the American Institute of Design a few years ago, which gained a lot of attention. This one article. And interestingly, the title of it is called How 10 Minutes a Day Can Change Your Entire Design Practice. Now, during my recent, um, at the time I wrote, it was, uh, I was writing from the view that I had recently completed my three-month speaking tour, and that was back in 2014. Uh, a, a US tour, 22 cities across the United States. Um, and the question that I got from every Q&A of every event was, as a designer, how did you write and publish your first book? And how did you put together a speaking tour? And the answer is actually very simple. I applied the same principles of design to all areas of my life, including my side projects. And the main principle is the law of singularity the daily practice. So we already know that that the daily practice is of and practicing singularity is the quickest way to master our tools, hone our skills, generate ideas. But when it comes to following through, many people fall short. It's the issue of frequency. So doing something daily can often be perceived as a huge commitment. So here's another tip. Minimize to the extreme. The number one way that I've been able to progress at a rapid rate in writing, in speaking, in podcasting, in, in, in running businesses, in, in facets of my design career and capability was to shrink my daily commitment for a set task to a time frame that's ridiculously small. So I'm talking 10 minutes a day. No matter how busy, tired or stressed we may be, we've all got 10 minutes. If you're wondering how much impact 10, in, 10 minutes can actually have, here it is. And I did a few experiments over the years. I've always loved magic. I, I, I love magic. I always wanted to, to learn magic, but I never knew how. So I applied this to that. Um, I, I decided to teach myself how to make a tuna tin disappear by practicing 10 minutes a day for three days. And one of my magician friends taught me how. Um, and my adult audience was, of course, convinced. You can you can actually watch the video if you. It's buried somewhere on Facebook, so you can search that. Uh, the second thing was I learned a bit of HTML. Now I'm no coder at all. I I can't. I struggle with language language in general, let alone coding. Um, but I started reading lines of code over my afternoon tea many years ago, and and ten minutes a day was plenty. And and 
probably more than I could handle, to be honest. And after doing this daily without fail for a month, I was able to code most of the first version of my blog. Now, prior to my first speaking tour in 2014, I'd never done public speaking. So to prepare, (laughs) I laugh at this because um, people say that I'm confident, but it has come with great practice and ego dropping um, I approached one stranger a day for two months and and had a five to ten minute conversation with them. And it didn't matter where I was. That was the thing that I said. Now, it might have just been someone um, that was um, at the coffee counter. I was waiting at a crosswalk, a grocery store, a train home from work. Um, my opener was pretty simple. It was, hi, I'm on a mission to kick my fear of speaking uh, out the door, I, I want to meet one person a day. Um, I'm, I'm learning to, to become a better speaker. So tell me something exciting about your day. And after doing this every day for two months, I started to pick up body language, tone of voice, facial expressions, eye contact, gosh, all these things that they never taught us, right, in school. And I was able to successfully engage with over 10,000 people on my speaking tour without nerves, without forgetting any key points. Uh, as for my first book, which was uh, at the time, uh, I, I, I wrote How to Get a Job as a Designer was my first book. I wrote that by committing 10 minutes a day. And nine months later, I had a manuscript. Now, some days I had barely anything to write about. But here's the thing. That 10 minutes sometimes turned into two hours. And however it pans out, you're still making progress. I use the same approach to organize my tour and and emailing, logistics, everything. So oftentimes we dismiss the pursuit of learning something new or going deeper on a project because the gap of where you are now to where the goal is seems too far away. The key is progress consistently in very small increments. Will Smith said it best. You don't set to build a great wall. You start there. You don't, you don't start there, rather. You say, I'm going to lay this brick as perfectly as it can be laid. You do that every single day, and soon you'll have a great wall. So we've covered the benefits of the law of singularity applied to focus areas, discipline, prioritization, Uh, Now, the one thing approach leads us to the benefit of doing one thing well. We know that. And doing one thing well leads us to... Giants, I hope you're enjoying this special solo episode this far. I wanted to pop in briefly at the halfway point here to put a spotlight on a platform that I've come to love since its inception. As you know, I imagine a world with more generous leaders and courageous problem solvers. And that's why I'm so passionate about design thinking, especially helping design better businesses and helping creative entrepreneurs. And one of the platforms to help us achieve this is an all-in-one web dev platform specifically for businesses, entrepreneurs, and creatives to achieve your vision. It's with Wix. I invite you to take your business online with Wix as they're the leading website creation platform that's got all the tools you need to create, manage, and grow your brand. Whether you're starting your online business or you've got a side hustle, you can design a site to showcase your brand that'll look great on any device. Join over 200 million people already using Wix's wide range of solutions to enhance their businesses. 
like ultra-smart SEO tools designed to get you found on search engines, faster loading times to create outstanding user experiences, and payment solutions to help you boost your revenue. Plus, with enterprise-grade security built into every site, you know you're in safe hands. You can manage everything from one dashboard on desktop and mobile, so you can be available anywhere at any time, in the office, at home, or on the go. I encourage you to take a look for yourself, take it from me, have a peek if you haven't already, or you might have a while back and consider revisiting. I'm quietly confident you'll be pleasantly surprised. Head over to wix.com and create your website today. That's wix.com and grab a website you're truly proud of and one that delivers the outcomes you actually need. Once again, that's wix.com. Let's now head back to this episode. And doing one thing well leads us to mastery, right? Bruce Lee said, I fear not the one who has practiced 10,000 kicks once. I fear the one who has practiced one kick 10,000 times. Uh, Michael Jordan, goodness me, 300 baskets every single day, muscle memory. I personally run 10 kilometers every uh, four times a week. And I have met uh, this woman named Tracy, 68-year-old woman shredded adondus this woman is fit way fitter than me my style of running is very all over the shop i i'll I'll go in a burst and then i'll jog i'll walk and then maybe i'll you know just pace and then i'll go for another burst tracy on the other hand runs a consistent pace the whole time and it's funny because sometimes i'll overtake her on my burst but then she'll just keep on coming back around and what does this remind you of? The moral of the story of, of the, the tortoise and the hare, right? The hare is very confident in winning, so it stops during the race, falls asleep. The, t- the tortoise continues to move very slowly, but without stopping, and finally it wins the race. The moral is that we can be more successful by doing things steadily rather than acting quickly and carelessly. So we've touched on a few points on mastery. So one other thing that I'd like to touch on, one important thing to leverage singularity is in the brand positioning and messaging, which we're going to sink our teeth into a little bit here uh, because I, I love talking about this and helping people about this. And by the way, if, if you DM me on Instagram, message me the word branding, I'm currently planning on hosting a, a two-hour live online workshop on personal branding uh, to help you arrive at your one thing. So so DM me if there's at least 20 people to express interest, I'd, I'd be delighted to help. So we'll go through a few components now, but there's a lot to unpack. Um, so let's start with some shared vocabulary, right? The, the brand or your uh, brand as a whole is what people attach meaning to. It's your personality, your credibility, and your reputation that we get to experience. So meaning is attached to people, places, and things. Therefore, there are personal brands, place brands, organizational brands, product brands. I mentioned personality, credibility, reputation. So the personality piece is the likability piece. So we need to have relevant personal stories in 
our natural tone of voice. The credibility part of it is sharing industry-approved accreditations, facts, best practice information. That's credibility. Reputation is around sharing the satisfied customer testimonials and case studies and the relationships that have you've built that are advocating. And look at it this way. Branding is the perceived meaning of the entity. Now then, what's marketing? Okay, well, marketing is the promotional messaging to generate leads. And so what's the sales? Well, the sales is converting those prospects. It's the process of turning those leads into paying customers. I often say this, marketing is saying what you do. Branding is doing what you say. The problem is so many of us out there, we know, we experience brands who say one thing, but they don't back it up. They don't substantiate it. I also, I also often say that marketing is how they find you. Branding is why they buy you. So your brand positioning in the space that you occupy is existing. Some, somewhere in the hearts and minds of your customers, you have a presence. But are you using this intentionally is the question. Because having any position in anyone's heart and mind means that you need to have an opinion, a point of view within a particular subject, have some lived experience to put weight on that viewpoint, to share experiences that another person can relate with. In order to share an experience that someone can relate with, you have to pay with vulnerability. So this is branding. And when the branding is done right, the marketing and sales is easy. So one thing that I'd love for you to ask yourself is this, these series of questions. What subject area, industry, and category do, do you have experience in? And pre, pre-context to this, we want to arrive at one thing. What do you do in that space? Who do you do that for? What do you do for them? Why do you do it? Can you do it better than anyone else? If not, that's okay. What can you do better than most people? I mentioned earlier that marketing is saying what you do. Branding is doing what you say. The closer this matches and is substantiated on a consistent basis, the more customer satisfaction will increase, the more relationships you'll build. Deliver on the expectations that you've created fulfill on that promise. I also look at this as um, a a coral reef, an ocean, so to speak, and that when when we're finding fish, we're marketing um, and we're hunting, but branding is building a coral reef and having the fish come to you. They prefer you, and we want to get to that place because the brands that win are not necessarily the best. The brands that win are the ones that are the most known and perceived as the least risky option. So how do we become the most known and perceived as the least risky option? It starts with repetition. And here is the connector that I'd love uh, for you all to take away. Repetition of your one message, your one thing, leads to consistency. Okay, there's a bridge. Repetition to consistency. You build an identity and a personality is established. That consistency, then done enough, 
leads to familiarity. Ah, I start liking you and, and we're attracted to you. That's established. With familiarity, it leads us to safety. We start believing you because we feel safe. There's credibility that's established. And with that safety, guess where that takes us? To trusting you. Relationship and influence now is established. So think about how and where you sit on that journey. Firstly, law of singularity. What is the one thing you're saying in the marketplace or in your network or your niche? And connect those um, those dots, right? Say it many times. Consistently build familiarity with your audience. That leads to safety and then that leads to trust. I'm going to go over with, for a few minutes. So I'll, I want to end with, with a few key things here. Um, one is around this appealing and exclusive um, structure, um, which leads to competitive advantage. Sorry, um, uh, competitive advantage. So we want to arrive at a competitive advantage because if you don't have something that's appealing and exclusive, we don't have a competitive advantage. So draw two circles on a page. One on the left says appealing, question mark. On the right, exclusive, question mark. The overlap of this is your competitive advantage. If we don't have one, we can't compete and you're not going to be a profitable business. And so if your competitive advantage is non-existent, then you either haven't got anything appealing or you haven't got something exclusive. So remember, it's, it's already being serviced in the marketplace that you're in. So we've got to have something different. And again, this is law of singularity. Have a point of view. Go to the edge. Don't play it safe. Playing it safe is boring. Boring doesn't sell. Boring doesn't get eyeballs. Boring doesn't get anything. And going to the edge does. So where in your business and personal brand can you go to the edge? Remember this as well, that when you do this well, it means that you, you and I have to accept that we will likely be very, very popular to a few, very unpopular to the other end, and quite neutral to the majority. You know, there's so many examples of this. Law of singularity from Mercedes, prestige, Tesla, innovation, Toyota, reliability, Airbnb, belong, Nike, do, KitKat, break, have a break, have a KitKat, Snickers, really satisfies, Brene Brown, vulnerability, hustle, Gary Vaynerchuk, graceful, Roger Federer, servant leader, Glenn Lundy, approachable, Sarah McCord. There's so many ways to this. There's a lot more for me to unpack, but I'm going to go straight to um, a story and then I'm going to end here with a few points. Um, there's a wonderful book called Insanely Simple by Ken Segal. And in it, he shares a very intimate story with Steve Jobs and Lee Clow. Okay, so there's Lee Clow was the global head of TBWA, which was an agency that serviced Apple when Steve Jobs was around. Steve Jobs was reviewing the content of a proposed iMac commercial, and then they were debating about what it should say. The creative team and Steve were arguing about what would work best. Steve wanted to put four or five things in the 30-second TV commercial. They debated. 
Lee Cloud was like, we should just put one thing in there. Steve's like, nah, nah, we can fit four or five. Interestingly enough, right? We, we've heard stories of Steve Jobs, quite stubborn. This is, this is a hilarious story. So here we go. Lee tore five sheets of paper off his notepad. He crumpled them into five balls. Once the crumpling was done, he said, Steve, catch this, threw a single ball of crumpled paper to Steve. He grabbed it, tossed it back. He, Steve caught it. He only threw. He only got thrown one. And then he said, Steve, that's a good ad. And then he said, now catch this. Then he threw all five balls in Steve's direction and Steve didn't catch a single one. They all bounced on the table and on the floor. And he said, that's a bad ad. And so look, this is all around law of singularity to conclude the law of singularity. It can be applied to so many things. We covered only a few in this half hour segment. It will change the way you manage, maintain, grow your health, wealth, everything in between. We need to have a one thing and operate from a place of singularity. As I said, it can be applied to many different things from creating and marketing your business to acquiring the right clients, building quality relationships to how you go about your day. And most importantly, the legacy you'll leave and the impact you'll continue to make long after you're gone. You've always been great. But none of this matters unless you implement the law of singularity in your life. One last cherry on top, a fish would be a terrible tree climber. We don't need to find our difference, but rather we have to stop running from it. Start embracing it, then start articulating it and expressing what we already are. Our personal brands already exist. The question is, if you'll use your one thing more intentionally. Hey Giants, thank you so much for listening. I'm always incredibly grateful when you choose to spend time uh, tuning into these episodes of mine and uh, this way of thinking, the law of singularity that we went through has totally changed and shifted my life for the better and I hope it does for you too. If you're enjoying this podcast, one massive way to help keep the show going is to leave an iTunes review. Please head to giantthinkers.com slash podcast review. I read and appreciate every single one. And I know that it'll help get the show in front of more people who may just need these stories and insights in their eardrums to, to shift the way that they think as well. Uh, from either myself or world-class guests that I interview. A little teaser for the next episode, it's another solo one. I'll be sharing about using creativity as a tool to make massive impact. Subscribe to the show on your preferred podcast app, uh, Apple Podcasts, of course, Spotify, or any other uh, app that you listen to for podcasts, and you'll be notified as soon as it goes live next week. For any questions regarding the podcast or anything at all, the best way to reach me is on Instagram. Send me a message via my handle, The Giant Thinker.